Hi and welcome to the Girl Next Door podcast. I'm your host Renee Bennett and this is a leadership podcast for ordinary girls compelled to lead an extraordinary life. Make sure you come and find me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. G'day, my name's Emma and I am the founder of Pippin Girl. Do you have a teen girl in your life? Mamas, dads, sisters, aunties, teachers, counsellors, youth workers, we are talking to you. Pip and Girl is a platform and publication passionate about providing fair dinkum, wonderful resources to empower you and that bright young girl in your life as you navigate the beautiful, sometimes hairy, journey to womanhood. We cover anatomy, puberty, health, body image, relationships, but most of all encourage your girl to treasure and take care of that remarkable body of hers. Join us in creating a healthier world for the next generation of girls. Jump on our website, www.pipandgirl.com.au to check out our cool, fun and pretty resources or follow us on Instagram to find out more about who we are. Have a good one, lovely, and enjoy the podcast. Hi, guys. Welcome to episode 95 and part three of the new collection I've been doing behind the mic. It's Renee here. Sorry, that was a really big sound (laughs) at the end of the word mic. Anyway, it's Renee here. I hope that you guys are doing super well. I hope that, uh, I know I have listeners outside of Australia, but if you're in Australia, I hope you're keeping warm because it's flipping freezing at the moment here. Well, in Queensland, it's it's cold. It's dropped below 20. (laughs) Anyway, I was thinking... Uh, who are your favorite preachers? I want to talk about how to put a sermon together today, but I was just thinking about who my favorite preachers are and were, and I wondered who are yours? I think I'll pop something on Instagram because I would love to know who your favorite preachers are. And I thought I'd share mine with you, um, just for a bit of fun. My growing up, my go-to probably from about the age of 10, I loved Joyce Meyer. I think because I found her really easy to understand um, and I don't know, and, and maybe because she was a woman as well, kind of going there in places where, you know, women hadn't gone before. And of course, like I've told you guys, I got to grow up with the most incredible preachers. I mean, within my church, we had incredible preachers, but also we would get incredible guest preachers through. And I do remember we had Joyce Meyer at our church once. And like, I know that you're not meant to like, you know, put a human on a pedestal, but I was so excited. I remember I was sitting on the front row and I just was in awe of her walking in the building in front of me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I am breathing the same air as Joyce Meyer. And I remember a friend of mine later, she goes, I didn't watch Joyce enter the stage. I watched your face watching Joyce enter the stage. Uh, And anyway, and she was so lovely behind the scenes because that that means a lot to me. Like if I find out that someone's great on the stage, but they're not very nice behind the scenes, I'm like, nope, no longer my favorite. And then I was thinking about who else are my favorites. And I'd have to say definitely. And maybe because, and again, like I said, I'm most impacted probably when I, when I know the person and that would have to be two of my faves shout outs to, um, Mike Pilavachi and Tim Ross. I love those guys. Um, We've had them at Youth Alive so many times. Cameron and I have been to England to the conference that Mike used to run called Soul Survivor, which was just insane. Like, oh my gosh, like 10,000 kids a week in a tent over three weeks. Um, But Mike Pilavachi did this sermon years ago and he called it, I, I don't even remember what he called it, but it was about cake 
but he, he, whenever he said the word cake, he said cakey. He is the funniest guy. But the whole sermon was actually about um, like sexual sin and that kind of stuff. But it was, uh, seriously, I will never forget that sermon. So I love my, and him behind the scenes, he is like one of the best humans you could ever meet, which just makes my respect levels go up. He's so nice. Um, really good friend of Cameron's and mine. And I hate that there's coronavirus and we can't see these guys. And of course, Tim, Tim Ross, absolutely amazing. Um, I think he only does it here in Queensland, but he always takes his shoes off to preach. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's memorable because <clears throat> I don't like feet. I'm like, Tim, can you put your shoes back on? Um, but he has this way of really capturing young people, but yet giving really solid theology at the same time. And he's funny and behind the scenes, honestly, incredible. We call him Cameron's other brother because we all just love each other so much. So shout out to those guys. So who's yours? Who is your favorite preacher? Um, So what I want to do today is walk us through uh, just very basically how to put a sermon together and then how to how to deliver that in a really effective way. But I would suggest that whoever your favorite preacher is, you know, grab their podcast or look them up on YouTube and just watch them over and over and over and look at how they actually put a sermon together. Like see if there's like a pattern, what is it that they do what is it that you love about them? Why do they capture you? Why do they capture your attention? Why do they why are they your favorite? Because that will help you to see different elements that you can add into your own preaching. So that would be my big big bit of advice there when it comes to, you know, just really studying, I guess, someone that's right smack bang in front of you. Now, who I'm preaching to does kind of determine the kind of message. Um, So I tend to still follow a very similar style and pattern when I put a sermon together. But if I am preaching to a youth audience, I will keep that much simpler. Whereas if I'm doing a Sunday morning at our church, I'd go into a lot more depth, uh, a lot more deeper teaching, but I would still use the same kind of pattern. So let me go through a a general idea of what I do. So I'll talk in a moment about actually putting the sermon together, but let me just talk about that moment, that moment when you're about to get up on that stage. And by the way, if you get really nervous, I know I used to, I don't so much now, although I do sometimes when I travel, but if you get really nervous, there's a couple of things that you can do. Um, the first thing that I used to do is I used to actually self-talk to myself on the front row before I got up. And I remember Robert Ferguson from Hillsong used to do this. And I thought, okay, well, he is a flipping amazing preacher. If he needs to do this, this is a good key for me. So if I would feel really nervous, I'd be on the front row and I'd be like, Renee, you know what? You, you're anointed to preach this. God's anointing is upon you. He has chosen you for this moment. What you've got to say is the word of God. No one else can deliver it like you. You're here because you're really good at what you do. And I literally would give myself this little pep up talk um, to try and calm my nerves down and to give me a bit of confidence. If Cameron was next to me, I'd usually reach over to him and go, I'm really nervous. And then he'd give me the pep talk. Um, So that's one thing you can do. The other thing that kind of helped me with my nerves, and this was something I learned from Joyce Meyer, because I remember her talking about this and she goes, you know what, 
when I get up to preach, it's not about me, it's about God. And so that used to help her take the focus off of herself. And so I would often say that to myself as well. You know what? This is not about me. And so that would help me to kind of just uh, not focus on my nerves and not focus on me, but to focus on God. So they're two little things that really helped me when it came to not being nervous. But when I first get up, this is what's super important. You have to make an instant connection. Like first impressions really do count, even if everyone knows you. So do anything that you can to make an instant connection within the first one or two minutes. Now, if you are a guest preacher somewhere, by the way, always thank the people that invited you. Always honor and thank them. That's just like 101 basics, okay? But when I get up, what I do is during the praise and the worship, I will find something that's happening around me and I will use that when I get up to connect. So your aim needs to be to make everyone feel comfortable. That's why you want to connect, okay? Because you want to put them at ease and then you'll find that people will be like, oh, I really like her. I really like him. And um, and they look forward to hearing you speak because what you're doing is you're using the first one or two minutes to build rapport with the audience. Now, it could be as simple as the fact that you walk up to the stage confidently. Um, it could be to do with the way you introduce yourself, or you could say something nice about someone that you know in the room, or you know, you could say something funny. Like I know often if I'm um, in another state, you know, I might, oh my gosh, I always leave my phone on. Sorry, guys. I might say something funny. I don't know. I, I I do it off the cuff, so I can't even think. But I I remember um, I'm trying to think where I was, but I talked about how in Queensland I've got such a different accent compared to everyone because I'm from South Australia, and I don't know. I just made people laugh, so humor's really good as well. Um, and so yeah, just make that instant connection. And then the second thing that I tend to do especially with teenagers, um, but even with adults, I do this. I set the expectation of where I'm going because I find that it just, particularly with teenagers, it help it helps to keep them engaged. So also I'll get up and, and after I've connected, I'll say, hey guys, I'm just going to talk for like 15 minutes and then I really want to pray for you guys. So let's just pop our phones away. You know, no, I'm walking around and then I begin So what I've then done, firstly, I've made a connection with them. So they're like, oh, okay, well, I want to listen to her. I like her. And then I've set the expectation of I'm only going to be 15 minutes. So they're sitting there going, fuel. She's not going to sit here and rant and rave at us for half an hour. But then what I've also snuck into there is a bit of behavior management. So I'm setting the expectation. Don't be on your phones. Don't walk around. I want you to focus right now just for 15 minutes. So I've done... I've done about four things in my first couple of minutes. Now, even with adults, I will also kind of let them know. Now, I don't do it like I didn't really do it last night when I was preaching um, at our church, um, but only because I felt like my sermon went a little bit all over the place. But normally I would, you know, introduce the topic and then I'll say something simple like, well, you know, I've got four thoughts that I want to unpack today or four thoughts I want to share with you today. uh, And then we're going to, I really feel like I, I want to pray for people you know, or something like that. So I'm just setting people's mind. It's actually a bit of a teacher's trick um, because what it does is it actually helps 
people focus in. Like when you're a teacher and you're introducing a lesson, there's always this focus point to help kids focus their brains in. Like they might've come in after lunch or they might've come in after, you know, being at sport or music. And when you do a new lesson, you just focus them in by saying a couple of, you know, you might ask them a question or you might, um, you know, you might say a statement or you might have a bit of a story, but you're focusing them in on what you're about to speak on. It's very powerful to do that. Okie doke. How do I put my sermons together? Okay. Well, now you might do this differently. Okay. This is just my style and my pattern. You will find your style and your pattern over time. You will find what works for you. Um, I'm more of a teachy kind of a preacher and I'm very structured um, Cameron is probably less so, although I'm finding that the more he, the more, the longer we've been running a like actual church Sunday services, he's becoming more structured as well. I find that a little bit of structure helps to, uh, it helps people remember what's being said and it helps to communicate better. I think when sermons go all over the place, like if I walk away and I'm like, I have no idea what that person said. Um, you know, I like to walk away and go, I really, I learned something definitive there. So number one, I always start with the grabbing intro. Okay. So just, and that's that focus part again, just a grabbing intro, not because I want to entertain, but because I want to get them as focused and excited about what I'm about to share about as I am. Remember the other week I talked about we need to feel our sermon. And I I, I literally cannot get up and just deliver a sermon that I've delivered five times before. Like I have to feel like that sermon is the words that God wants me to speak to that group of people in that moment. And because I'm feeling it, I want them to feel that too. And so a grabbing intro is really powerful. Now, the next, what I do is from there, I keep the format really simple. So your contact, contact, your content can actually be as in-depth or as simple as you like. It's like totally up to you. But the format, I keep really simple because I like people to walk away remembering what they heard. So I usually, my format is that I normally do three or four points or three or four thoughts. And for each thought, I'll have at least one scripture and usually one simple illustration. Okay. So let me say that again. So that literally is my, like if you saw my notes and I highlight as well, you would see intro and then you'd see, um, thought one, and then there'd be a a story and a scripture, not necessarily in that order. And then same with thought two, there'd be scripture or two, maybe another illustration, thought three, same thing again, maybe another, I don't always do an illustration for every point, but I just find that it helps. Um, the other thing that it's important to do that I do, um, and I find people really love it is I constantly reiterate what I've said and I repeat my thoughts as I go. So by the time, for example, I'm doing thought number three, I will go back and recap thought one and thought two, and now we're on to unpacking thought three. And then at the end of the sermon, I recap those thoughts again. Now, the best person, if you want to hear someone do this well, Craig Rochelle is insane at it. And I think that's one of the reasons 
I actually love his preaching. I love his leadership stuff in particular. And the reason I love it is because I really grab a hold of what he says, because it's very structured, very simple, but he goes over it and over it. So by the end, I completely remember what he says. Now, when you finish off, okay, this is like landing a plane or wrapping a present. Okay. If you buy this amazing present for a friend and you just do this sloppy wrapping, or you just, you don't wrap it at all and you just give it to them. That's kind of what it's like if you do this amazing sermon, but you don't wrap it up and finish it off. Or it's like landing a plane. You expect when you're on a plane that that pilot knows where you're going to land and how he's going to land the plane. Now, a sermon is the same, okay? So so you want to kind of wrap everything up. So you need to kind of conclude it. And, and so the way I do that is I repeat everything. I repeat those main thoughts. But then what I'm heading towards, because remember, we've talked about these are not just your words. These are, this is there is a weight to this. This is God's word. It is alive. It is powerful. It is active. You know, you you haven't been just gifted in your delivery, but there's an anointing there. So what you want to do is to go, okay, Holy Spirit, what is the takeaway? And remember last week I talked about planning for this. So this is the landing of the plane, the coming to the end. What is going to happen now? How are you going to land it? Where are you going to land it? Is there a takeaway? Will there be a response? Are you going to do a salvation um, call out? So if you're preaching um, and, and when you preach, remember we talked about it's to see hearts transformed, then how is that occurring? And I talked last week about different ways that you can do that. Okay, so that's just some practicals. Um, now I look, let's, let's get even more practical. I, um, <laughs> Izzy and I always have arguments about this with our sermons. I, there's something to me that's disconnecting about and, and using an iPad. I can't, I just cannot use an iPad. I don't know what it is. I, I, I like to be able to see a whole page of notes in front of me. Um, and I also, I, I don't know. I, I don't like it when people MC from a phone either. I, it just, I think because when people are on their phone, whenever someone like a friend or when Cameron's on his phone, I feel completely disconnected from him. And I find the same when someone's out the front, there's something about a phone that says I'm in my world and you're not in my world. So that's just an MC one. Don't MC from your phone. I, I absolutely do not like it. But look, you might be in a church that that's what they do. So if that's the case, ignore me. This is just my preference. I just, like I said, I feel like it looks like you're disconnected. Um, so I, I'm a little bit old school. Uh, I tend to use, I actually, I write, often write notes on my phone first in the notes section, and then I email it to my, and I do that because I write the sermon all week. I'm not just thinking about it or that one sit down. And then I email those notes to myself and I literally copy and paste it, throw it into a Word document. I put my notes together on a Word document first. I just kind of vomit all my thoughts out on that first. Then I do a lot of research, by the way, um, depending on what it is. 
I more for Sundays, I tend to do a lot of research, like hours and hours of research, um, but probably not so much for a youth sermon. Then I organize everything on my page. So it's nice and kind of structured. And I put headings on there, like intro, you know, thought one, I highlight things in different colors. Like I highlight my scriptures in green. I highlight, yeah, now I'm really OCD. I'm telling you the color. I highlight the thought and then I highlight a story or illustration and then I print it out and I put it in a nice black folder. It's important. You know, everything about you says something about you. Don't get up there and have your notes scrunched up in a horrible piece of paper or a book that looks like it's been chewed by the dog. Um, So have a nice black folder or okay, if you are like Isaiah and Cameron, they like to preach from an iPad. I have no issues with that at all. I just, I don't know what it is. There is, to me, it is different looking at something on a computer, on an iPad, than what it is on an actual piece of paper. It just, my brain functions better. So do whatever suits you best. Okay, so let's talk about what sets a good sermon apart from a great sermon. And This is key. Like you can have great content, really good structure, but when it comes to you delivering it, there's one thing that's going to set it apart, apart of course from anointing, which we talked about last week, but that is connection, connection with people's hearts. Your ability to connect with people's hearts is what is going to turn those words on that piece of paper to an incredible sermon. You know, Cameron does way less notes than me. He'll often just handwrite some thoughts. And so if I were to preach from his notes, that'd be terrible. But Cameron's got this ability to connect with people. I've got an ability to to connect with people. And so it turns those notes into something that's incredibly powerful. You know, how can God transform a heart if we haven't connected with their heart. We should be emotional connectors. Now, if you have no emotion and no passion, you won't reach a generation. Why do you think this gen are so taken with movies and music? Because those things move their heart. People are drawn towards the things that move their heart. Jesus touched people's hearts. And that's what makes a sermon so incredibly powerful. People don't get me back um, to preach at their at their church or their youth group because I'm a great theologian. It's not it's not that at all, because I'm not. They get me back because I know how to connect with people's hearts. And by the way, that's on the stage and off the stage. But to make an impact, there has to be a human connection. So how do we do that? How do we how do we become incredible connectors when we've got a microphone in our hand and they're a couple of meters away from us? But the first thing that that really helps us connect is something we all know, which is trust. You know, people don't just open up their hearts and their minds easily. They want to know, you know, they're almost skeptical, I guess. They want to know, can I trust this person? Who is this person getting up telling me, you know, how to live my life and telling me what the Bible says? They have to trust you first. And it's a huge part of making a connection. So they will be sitting there thinking things like, do I believe that person? Am I buying into them? Um, you know, are they genuine? People can be naturally very mistrusting and skeptical. Another way to help people really connect with you and you connect with them is to be vulnerable. Um, There's something about being vulnerable with people, being honest, being open, that makes them really trust you. You know, let them know that you're human. Share personal stories, but don't by the way, there's a line here. Don't air your dirty laundry either. 
be real, but be someone that they want to listen to in that particular area because you now have some authority about what you're talking about. Okay. So don't be like so real, you know, like you get up there and you go, yeah, my had my kid had a tantrum this week and they're always having tantrums and I've got no idea what to do with my kid when they have a tantrum. Like, because if that were me sitting there listening to you, I'd be like, oh, note to self, you're the pastor and you've got no idea what to do with your kid that has a tantrum and they keep having tantrums and you're not learning and I'm not going to listen to you in that area. So you don't want to, you actually, in, in being vulnerable, there's two ways to be vulnerable in a way that completely makes people not trust you and go, oh, I am not going to listen to this person. But then you can be vulnerable in a way that says, you know what, they're human, they get it, but they've also got some you know, authority to speak about into my life about this particular area. So the right amount of vulnerability is incredibly powerful. Um, another thing that I do, so a couple more things I do, I smile, smile and make eye contact it like you think about just when you're not on platform, but you're talking to people, smiling and making eye contact is very powerful. It's so simple, but so powerful. So I make eye contact with people all over the room and I smile at them. I will literally pick people out in the room and smile. Now that's intimidating at first when you're a bit new at preaching, but it's a really amazing way um, to, you know, people kind of smile back at you. And then that even helps to calm your nerves if you're a bit nervous. Um, so, you know, don't you like talking to someone who genuinely smiles at you? It literally can warm up a whole room of people when you smile, make sure it's a natural smile, by the way, because again, a fake smile will make the room feel like they're being manipulated, but a really warm smile, it just makes people relax and trust you. Another way to help people connect with you is to make them laugh. You know, making people laugh is a wonderful way to keep people on board with you. When people laugh together, it builds instant connection and audiences who laugh with you quickly come to like you. It really takes away people's defenses, which means now you have the chance to truly connect with them. And remember, the reason we're connecting is because it's about heart heart transformation. You know, how can God transform someone's heart if they're like so bored or so mistrusting of you that that they're not listening? Um, Another thing that I do to make people not just connect with me, but to connect with what I'm saying is I make what I'm saying relate to them because ultimately people care about how what you are talking about relates to them. So we need to bring the there and then of the Bible to the here and the now of people's lives. How do those words on that page of the Bible relate to me right now where I'm sitting in 2021? You know, I always ask myself, what does what I'm saying have to do with the person on the seat right in front of me? So I try to relate what I'm saying to real life examples that they can relate to. I ask questions that draw them in. Um, That helps to make your words relatable. So for example, yesterday I was talking about how we all need to, you know, we're created from Galatians 6 verse 5 to create and carry our own load or our daily responsibilities. And I started listing those off and, um, and I had like a backpack on my back and I'm like, this is, this is what God wants us to do. It's like having a backpack. We need to carry our own stuff. And then I said to them to make it relate, I go, who's, whose backpack are you carrying that you shouldn't be? Who's making you carry their daily tasks that you shouldn't be? So just asking a question makes it immediately relate to them. 
So that's kind of it for my, you know, putting putting together my sermon um, and that whole, you know, different ways to make people connect and for your hearts to connect. Because like I said, the aim is heart transformation. And ultimately, you know, we we it's up to us to do the best in that area and the rest is up to the Holy Spirit. We can't actually change hearts. We can lay the foundation, we can connect, we can deliver those words, but we can't actually do the work. Only Jesus can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So you've got to remember, you know, you might say one thing, but the Holy Spirit will make that be interpreted in a hundred different ways for a hundred different people. One thing can mean something different depending on where they're at in their life circumstance. So, you know, for all this good content and great connecting, really there's just one aim, and this is where I want to finish it, but this is the one aim. Your aim when you're preaching, it's not so that people walk away and say, wow, what a wonderful preacher Renee is. Man, what an amazing preacher you are, insert your name there. No, what the goal is, is that you've connected so well. They've been so moved that they lay in bed that night, remembering the sermon, remembering the words that you've spoken because you delivered them with such skill and such heart and it moved their heart that they're not thinking, what a wonderful preacher you are, but they're thinking, what a wonderful savior I have. That is the ultimate goal, that they're not sitting there giving you accolades. It's not about you and me getting accolades, but it's about hearts being transformed. I want people to remember what I've said because God uses that to change their life. I want them to be laying in bed at night and going, God, you're amazing. God, you spoke to me today. I don't want them to remember how good Renee Bennett's preaching is, but how good their God is. All righty, guys. I hope that's helped you. I think that's kind of rounded out our behind the mic sermon. I mean, there's lots of other things that uh, that we could talk about, but I feel like I've kind of hit up those main main areas. And uh, oh, there's just so many other topics to cover um, that I want to start on at for next week. So until then, have the most wonderful week. You guys are amazing. Go put together an absolute incredible sermon. And um, I look forward to being with you for those that listen to Parenthood Friday. Come and join me there. I'll see you then. Until then, keep warm, guys. Bye.